0: Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland Podcast. I'm Gemma Cray, ahead of the Cork International Film Festival. We are chatting with a very special panel of our friends and filmmakers whose shorts are featuring at the festival. I just want to say thank you guys so much uh, for for coming in. Um, it's very exciting to to see beautiful films on the big screen and in a a fabulous festival like Cork. You must be delighted.
1: Thrilled.
0: Thrilled. Yeah. Very exciting. Amazing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask if you guys um, can go around and introduce yourselves and then talk a little bit about your film first.
1: So so we can all get used to the voice. <laughs> well, will I start?
0: Yes. Yeah, OK. Hi, Martina.
1: Hi everybody. Um, my name is Martina McGlynn. Uh I'm the director of Wrecker. Um, Wrecker is a it's a famine story. About survival and silence, and it follows a girl from her growing suspicion to the eventual devastation, devastating confirmation um, of how her father has been providing for them. So it's um, it's kind of it's rooted in a particular time. It's set during the famine, but it kind of uh, represents a, a universal theme. If you like, um, is survival worth any cost? Um now I can go into the story a little bit or is is that all you want? I would
0: love I, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna get uh TJ to go next if that's okay. And what we'll do is I'm gonna I'm gonna kinda talk about the writing of the film and that law link into that in a little bit. So thanks so much, TJ.
2: Uh hi doing. Uh, nice to meet you all. My name's TJ. Uh I'm the director of Room Taken. Uh Room Taken is a short film um basically about connection, I think resilience, uh, loneliness, grief, They're some of the kind of themes that um, the 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 story, uh, yeah we talk about the story and it's about a man who is new to Ireland uh, who basically is experiencing homelessness and uh, long story short he ends up sneaking into an elderly blind woman's home and uh, ends up living in her house without her knowing because he's uh it's pretty desperate deceptively sweet yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and and and, and as I kind of eerie as that sounds it's I suppose um meant to be a story with a bit of heart and sweet sweetness I suppose and uh levity uh, and suspense so there's some of the kind of yeah the tone of the film (laughs) amazing
3: I do that Hi, my name is Aduda. I'm a writer, producer, um, Kenyan, based in Kenya still. And she is a film that is based on my personal experience as a queer person living in Kenya. And when we were thinking up this film, Lee and myself, Lee is a good friend. Um, we've been, we've known each other for a while now. Um, we just wanted to explore a theme that wasn't gonna be a hurtful thing because a lot of the times when people are talking about um queerness and activism, especially this side, it's always very um followed by a lot of homophobia, really, just trying to show what not. And we just wanted to show what do we want. So here is a pansexual couple that you know discovers that they're pregnant at a random time, obviously that is very unplanned, but what we explore is, you know, the mask's um anxiety with, cause first of all, anxiety is the major thing with her. She has a lot of anxiety packed into this body and needing to just continue and carry on, you know, and make these choices, much as they're terrifying and scary, like having a family with a queer partner in Kenya. So, this to, um, this um couple goes through the motions of, oh my God, what are we gonna do? The choice of, are we gonna keep it? Are we not? And a lot of this is just kind of trying to express that there is life, you know, that can be lived. Um, That isn't just, you know, running away from the cops and staying away from all, oh, don't do this, don't do that. It was, what can you do? Which is like, yeah, please get a family. Please, you know, have a life with your partner, make choices. What does it look like for you? What would it be? And that's basically what it is. But there's
0: some big, there's some big themes. There's some very big themes. I will get a, Lee is the director of this as well.
4: Yeah. Hi. My name's uh, Leah Campbell and I'm a Northern Irish filmmaker and I was the director of She, which is written by Aduda Hera and the short film is following a couple who are faced with a very life-changing decision, and together they escape the madness of Nairobi, Kenya, and go to the Nong Hills to talk it out and see what they are going to decide for their future.
0: So I'll actually, when we're going into the writing, I'll stick with you, Leah and Aduda. And if you guys could maybe just talk to me a little bit about um, like your process working together and um, like creating it, drafts of the scripts. Do you guys give each other feedback at different stages? How did it come together?
3: Well, we had previously worked on a project together, a musical when Leah came to Kenya and she shot and that's when we made friends. So we had you know, this rapport from the job and we just kept in touch through the year. And I think a couple of months later, she comes to me like, wouldn't it be nice if we could collaborate on something like this? And do you have any idea, you know, off the top of your head? And I was like, I might, I might. When's the deadline? It was about a week. So (laughs) I, (laughs) we're coming up with production documents. Well, she is doing a lot of the, uh, you know, background production for the application. And I am just writing the script. So I tell her about it and she's like, I like it. And I'm just like, not going to, you know, do any of these hurtful things that, you know, bringing queer people in in spaces that are constantly triggering. So I was like, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to write something that is light and witty and let's just keep it pushing. So at that point, no, we didn't do a lot of the back and forth, but she did know what it was about. She did read it. She did do a little bit of edit with me and we submitted and fingers crossed. So when we hear back, we take about nine months, you know, going for between the two of us, which is like okay, I like this page because I came up with like a twenty-something page um script for like twelve minutes naturally, wow. <laughs> and it's and it's such a it's
0: such it's such a kind of neat um compact story in the end. So that okay,
3: this is interesting. How did you whittle it down? Oh, it, we had like 20 drafts of the thing. There was so many levels to it because like, first there was the longest one. Then it was like, let's just trim down a lot of the dialogue that we don't really need. But what do you not really need if you're dealing with me? We need it all. So it we had to give it to um, our friends who are also writers and they went, well, I think you can get rid of this, get rid of that. I would push back sometimes because you know, this is fundamental. We need it. So it took literal nine months um, of us just emailing between one another every single month, where we would do um, a meeting together, just read through it, whatever we're feeling. A lot of the times we would just start the draft from scratch again, yeah. and all on Zoom. It was so much fun, Um, especially just having you know someone you can talk to about the thing as you're doing it. So yeah, that was truly the process up until the day we are actually filming, we were still talking about the script and what works and what doesn't work. And just to make sure that we stay very appropriate and very, you know, we don't wanna, again, we didn't want this to be a suffering film. We wanted to celebrate. Yeah, so we wanted to keep it at that specifically.
4: And just to say, sorry, the film was funded by a brilliant scheme that the BFI and the British Council run, which is called Films for Freedom. And it's, um, using a UK, uh, producer and a Kenyan producer. And it's supposed to tell these stories that, um, you know, in places like in Kenyan, for example, when you're a queer person, that is not only for, for men illegal. Um, it's not illegal for women because it's not taken seriously, but these sorts of stories are really complicated to tell. And we had to also, while writing the script, we, We're very much censored. We had to send our script to the government to approve us shooting. And, um, that's why the film, we had to look at different ways to express desire, um, in a sort of, again, a, a sexual relationship between people. How can you express desire without showing that on screen? So it was very complicated and we face a lot of, a lot of barriers in making this. So I think the fact that we we need this and the BFI and the British Council support these stories is really exciting and really necessary because I think a lot of people aren't aware of them. Um, yeah.
0: That's very interesting to to hear that. I mean, it, like it reminds you of that old rule that they had in Hollywood where you had to have a foot on the floor to do with censorship, you know, and even in the nineteen twenties and things things were like a lot more explicit and and that kind of leaning into conservatism. And I mean it's the same in Ireland not too long ago when homosexuality was decriminalized in nineteen ninety four? Was that or nineteen ninety? It was in and around that as well. And like that, it was it was it was illegal if you were a man, but if you're a woman just didn't exist, which is and that is so that is soon in our living history. So like it's very interesting to hear those barriers. But then what you guys did, what it was so powerful, because those, the subtext was all, everything was there. The relationship was fully fledged and developed, the complexities of it, the warmth and affection. Can you just talk to me a little bit about how you guys achieved that in in the writing stages, at least?
3: Well, the thing for me was that I had truly experienced queer joy in my time up until Because again, I was writing this specifically from my experience. I was taking bits and pieces. I mean, imagine how funny it was for the person I was dating, reading the thing. And it's like, are you sure? Because this doesn't sound like them. This is entirely somebody else because all I was just taking from all the most beautiful. Um, instances that I had had and just feelings that just gave me a lot of warmth because ultimately that's why I'm always just going to try to be as happy as I can. So what, what we do is I'm drawing from my experiences and times when I've just felt like the most supported because as a person who's living with anxiety, again, there's so many like wrong things I could focus on, all the hard and all the pain and all the other things, you know, but then instead we're sitting here just thinking, how can we make these people happy? How can we give them a semblance of a beautiful life with everything else that's going on? We need them to be happy in the very least. So ultimately for me, I was borrowing from what I had gone through and what I would felt with people. Um, and. Some of them didn't like it. I had to take some things out, like but some of them were like, Oh yeah, this is nice. So that was at least my journey. Um, um trying to get it. I just want to circle back just a tiny little bit when we were talking about how we, you know, had to create it and make sure that we have all the licenses that we can so that we can shoot. Um first of all, we had to Tailor the script in a way that is, again, implied, but not really. Because, again, it's not taken seriously. So it's like, yes, look at her and her best friend. Wonderful. So um, running with that thought process, getting the licenses, was we had to play a bit of the tricks. We had to go, mm, I I don't know, maybe they don't, maybe they embrace. And still, you know, needing to make sure that people understand that these are not sisters, they are pregnant together because they're in a relationship together and queer people can get pregnant. Just let's, you know, so I wanted, I definitely was trying to focus on it being light and witty and funny. Um, yeah, that was my process with it. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So, so I love that. I like you put
0: so much for yourself into it. Um, yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you, Martina, now, because I know your, your film was funded through the Focus Short Scheme from Screen Ireland, which is a brilliant scheme and um, it's a period piece. So those are always a bit more expensive. So it's a good thing <laughs> that it was a focus short. And it was written by um, Eva Bradshaw. So you ha- talk to me a little about um, your process of working with Eva and getting it ready to be submitted for this and your process on that.
1: Well, we, um, uh, we put a call out uh, looking for scripts, actually. Um, I was interested in directing. I had co directed a lot up to now and produced uh, quite a bit and done documentaries and things. But um, I never quite, you know, got, I, you know, I really just wanted to direct myself. So I felt if I could get a story good enough, I may have some chance for getting funding. So we put out a call, and um, Aoife's script came in and uh honestly when i tell you the moment i read it it just it just kind of lifted off the page she's such a beautiful writer now i obviously you can't get all the nuances of that on the screen but even just reading it it just felt like a lovely little novella or something um so i was instantly attracted to it but i do have a kind of a thing for period pieces anyway i enjoy i enjoy them um the process was very very interesting it took us a long time to get the script that she had originally written ready for shooting. And I'm sure you can all understand why that is. And it's because because the film has no actual dialogue in it on screen. So the story had to be told basically by the character's actions all the time. And whilst that is the job of the director, you know, we we show up, we don't tell. um, or At least that's what we're told to do all the time. But in this case, we really weren't, we had nothing to tell. Um, So the script had to sort of reflect that. So there was a lot of iterations of that script before we got it right. Um, she worked very hard um in fairness and we we asked for help too when we, we you know we asked when we thought we had it there we got some help from some script editors to, just to make sure we weren't missing anything. And uh, if I'm being quite if I'm being quite honest even just after the shoot you know I when I reflect back on it now I even feel you know there were certain parts of it maybe where we could have explained things a little bit better. But on the whole I think it was a fabulous script and I hope I hope it comes across that way in the finished product.
0: Very, very powerful. And again, like lovely production design, lovely sound mix. And we'll get to all that later. Actually, before we get off the subject of this, because we are touching on the funding schemes now. Talk to me about what it's like to go through the process of um, the Focus Shorts one, because I know the funding is a little bit higher than... But most of the other ones out there, it's it's sort yeah. of it's sort of seen to be very much so. This is the stepping stone to getting your first feature, um, and 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 just tell me about the development process with them. So you go through your your are told you you go through presumably interview process. Yeah, well, you submit script is successful.
1: Yeah, you, you submit, which is a which is a, the, the one of the tougher parts because it really is quite a lengthy application. Um, then you get shortlisted. And you go in for your interviews. So in our case, there was Garrett, the producer, Eve, the writer, and myself. And yeah, there's a, a pretty, uh, I would say, arduous enough interview. I mean, it was a very pleasant experience, but um, you know, uh, the people who are doing the who are conducting the interview know what they're talking about. And I suppose you have to remember we're talking about public money here, so uh, we have to be very careful. They have to be careful how they're spending it, and I guess they need to know that we're capable of. Delivering the film, uh, that was probably one of the things that was most important to them. I suppose they needed to know for sure. They need assurances that we could get this film across the line because of the challenges of you know it being a period piece and all of that. With the effects, yes, and
0: fire playing such a big role yeah. and the, the 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 issues there. Also, the fact that it's that it's wordless as well. There's there's, yeah. there's loads well, to it, but it's it's yeah. beautiful and the performances are amazing.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. I'll 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 be sure to pass that on. They'll be thrilled. The two kids, especially, they were just um, so thrilled to be part of it.
0: Yeah, they were really like you. And like it's it's hard. I'm def, I'm going to come back to you then and go to okay. the casting because I really want to. I really want to go to uh, Tj now and talk about specifically the writing. So you're you're an established director you've done amazing work you've worked at advertising you've done
2: beautiful shorts before I worked with a writer called Michael Whelan that's his first short film that he's ever written you know wow. I, I, I've applied for focus so many times over the years and I was shortlisted twice before so this is my my third time being shortlisted and I was so like delighted to get it because it's the great scheme as you say Um Michael is uh he's actually a creative in an advertising agency and we met when we were doing a commercial together for the Irish Cancer Society and um he also is the man behind reeling in the weird you know that instagram page that has loads of followers and it's like load like they they share clips of like old funny uh, archive material from like irish tv shows but uh, he's a he's a creative guy and and um, after the ad we made together, I kind of asked him if he had any scripts because I was really interested in trying to make a focus. And he had one. This was about 2021, a couple of years ago. And honestly, like I've I've uh, I've I've read lots of scripts over the years, short films and stuff like that. And when I read this one, I was I was actually pretty emotional at the end. You know, like it kind of it, it it caught me. You know, so I knew that that was like an excellent kind of place to be and starting point. And then I I, I guess we just tried to figure out a way of collaborating to uh, to to constantly develop it. Like you're all saying, it's not nonstop, isn't it? Until you're shooting, you're still tweaking stuff. And then the actors come with ideas and then you see a new location. And, and, and like, it, it's it's always, you know, uh, uh, kind of developing. But um, yeah, he has a, his his relation. I have to get this right because I was talking to him earlier about it. I thought it was his auntie, but it's actually his partner's great aunt. Uh Basically, uh, uh, a relation in the family that is is, is um, someone that they kind of meet up with regularly. She lives in France, but she's an elderly blind woman. And he, uh, I guess, spent a lot of time with her and from that relationship kind of came up with the, the beginning of an idea. And that's where it kind of like began. Um, and then in terms of how the, the, the rest of the narrative unfolded in terms of his his inspiration, I'm not hundred percent sure, but that was where it began. So uh so yeah, it was just a process of of constantly, you know, talking about the story and trying to figure out ways of heightening the stakes and creating suspense and leaning into humor and then hopefully having some hearts. To it was, was always the goal trying to make something entertaining, and that's
0: and that's wonderful as well, actually, because how topical um, everything is in some ways. And it, even Martinez, when it's it is about homelessness and housing crisis, just a different one,
2: <laughs> really. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I, I felt that as well. It's, it's <laughs> similar themes, you know what I mean? It's just a very different take, which is so cool about filmmaking and storytelling. Yeah, So,
0: um, and tell me about um, working with your process, would you have him around a uh, TJ while you're uh, like when you're on set? Would this be something back? And forth would he maybe have a, a comment on the edit or even the casting phases actually
2: definitely like when when you're working with a writer I think you kind of want to have depends on the, the relationship and it always changes but with with Michael I definitely kind of collaborated closely where I probably wrecked his head sending him numerous whatsapps and voice notes every day for it felt like a year i was i was i was constantly texting him and he was full, working full time in his jobs like dude i've got a kid I'm, you know what i mean i can't i can't keep answering your questions but uh, uh <laughs> but um but yeah no we we i'd share uh casting tapes with him and location photos uh definitely edits like because we've worked together as well previously and when you do advertising kind of jobs when you direct commercials the agency which he is part of, are kind of like the boss in a way. They're the ones who kind of have the final call often, you know? So so we had a relationship that was kind of collaborative already. So we just kind of lent into that again, I guess. You know, it was it was not to say that he was telling me what to do. It's a different dynamic in film than it is to advertising, which I don't know how he felt about that because, you know, it's, it's, it's not the, the same as it would be usually because they would have more control in that world. But in, in filmmaking, it, it's a different sort of, you know, structure, you know? in in, in, in world of course
0: stuff. and actually just I want to stay with you TJ and talk a little bit about casting um for that. How do you find um the actors to embody the characters on the page? Was it something that did they oh did you always have someone in mind? Did you and Michael kind of have a chat about what you were looking for? Was it something that was found organically? talk tell me a little bit about how you find your cast because there's a beautiful chemistry there.
2: Oh, thanks very much. Um, Yeah, like we we didn't have, you know, a a 100% kind of certain specific person in mind. It was definitely wanted to kind of keep it open. And in that world of developing things organically we wanted to see kind of the different type of characters when we worked with our casting director uh dawn mcallister shout out dawn uh she she did a great job suggesting loads of you know amazing people who i'd never heard of and i feel like i have a pretty good understanding of the different actors out there because you know i've i've been uh looking at irish movies my whole life and you know i i've done so many acting courses over the years because i've just been i was interested in it in for for a few years but uh but, yeah, no, when we found Gabriel at Lucy, you know, I, I felt immediately as our lead for Isaac that he had such a kind of empathetic, likable, you know, kind of sweetness in a way. But like, you know, his eyes just it it, it felt very expressive. And he kind of just was someone who I because when you think about the story, it's about someone who does something which is quite, you know, I guess, devious or, 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 or a little bit um like not 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 it's a little bit selfish i suppose so you run the risk of losing the audience if someone does that and they take advantage of someone so we needed a character an actor who you kind of trusted in a way and you felt for so when when i saw his audition tapes i i i felt that he was unbelievable and then Bree brennan is just you know i think one of the great actresses working at the moment in from from ireland and she's an absolute legend and uh Initially, we actually tried to cast um someone really from the blind community and we 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 met lots of different uh people from the blind community We're working with um sightless cinema, which is a charity that works with like blind uh actors and actresses and there was a lady who we loved but it was just the practicalities of filmmaking but also the uh the, the range of emotions that we wanted the the actress to have, we never found someone who got all the different things we wanted, whether it be, you know, emotion, humor, you know, all those things. So we ended up working with her as a consultant. We brought her on behind the scenes to to work with Breed, to try and make it more authentic. Um, and that was a really, you know, useful process for Breed, I think, because she could really see, you know, someone in that world and you know kind of observe how they move and what their mannerisms are and all those things so I thought that was really helpful her name was Dolores Cullen so she was an absolute legend our our visual impairment consultant and I
0: do that and Leah can you guys tell me a little bit about um casting for she and again there's such a warm chemistry between the two um, they really sort of carry that back and forth dynamic of are they going to go through with this? Are they not? Um, tell me about finding that and 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 working with your actors for that.
4: Yeah, um, I guess I can start, and then Aduda can maybe come in. Um, yeah, we we worked with two, one non actor, so Jules Abell. She is a um, non actor, um, and. She came on board the the project uh, relatively late. It was quite, again, a lot of barriers in casting the project because there's a huge risk to actors in taking on this type of role in Kenya. Um, It's something that uh, we had to, when we were gaining the funding from the British Council and BFI, we had to have a very much a safeguarding uh, sort of process in place because, um, again, this is a it, it's a queer story and there is a risk to that and um so jules came on board as the lead playing she had never acted before she is actually a dop working in the industry and uh wow just was perfect um and again that was a really interesting process because michelle Tyrone, i i had looked through different uh tapes aduda so was always sending me um, sort of links to people we found interesting on not only social media. So we were trying to look outside just casting agencies. Uh, Michelle had been in, uh, some relatively big series within Nairobi, um, and had a lot of experience. So it worked out really well. I think because Michelle really brings within the sort of love and trust this uh sort of grounded performance and again it worked well because then Jules and her were able to really work together and form this connection over a day we only had a day of rehearsals the way it worked out because we were casting so late and so yeah but Aduda and I yeah Aduda I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that process
3: Um, casting was interesting because, again, we couldn't publicise and we couldn't go, um, because usually all of our agents would go, you know, make a poster on the internet and then you start trending, who who are these people who are going to make so we couldn't go that direction, we just had to talk with people that we knew Um, at first we were trying to go with um, a friend of a friend of, you know, a friend of a friend who I've known for a while but, again, couldn't take it on because they had done um, a project before and the security risk for her was just not anything that they wanted to do again. And so finding Jules was truly a very late stage thing because we've already done a lot of this, you know, script readings with them. And we've, you know, we've had extensive conversations and it was just, you know, the anxiety towards the end was an absolute no for them. And we totally had to understand that. Um, We also had someone else who was going to come in and play um, the role of Leo. Um and day of actually they just freaking out just not can't do it so sorry. That sounds like the most
0: tense situation that has ever ever existed. Tell me, like how how did that feel? Kind of waiting for for like to not even know really if, if you were able to shoot.
3: Um, we went to sleep the night before filming, not knowing, to be honest. But what was the best thing is that Well, Brahim happened to be around. I don't know how that happened because we needed someone in about 30 minutes right there where he was. And he had just started another show that's very popular in Nairobi called Pepeta. So I definitely wasn't expecting someone of that caliber, but I was very, very pleased and humbled um, naturally. Um, So what happens with the role of she is that I'm the person that we wanted to originally play it her cousin their cousin is who ends up playing it so there's definitely very similar they look similar they are related it was good um landing michelle was fantastic there was other people that we had wanted but um either not in the country or not gonna do it or busy doing something else so she at least was the first person who i think had that kind of experience with like this is my agent. This is you know the schedule. I'm gonna be here for that. That was the only straightforward like journey that we had with all the casting. Um, extras were just our friends. Like, how hey, are you gonna come? Are you gonna come? And a lot of them were like, Yeah, of course I'm gonna come. Day off. No, my parents are gonna kill me. Anymore. I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to trend in the afternoon. I was like, that's not how movies work, but okay. You're not going to trend by the afternoon. Sorry. Um. So it was, it was really interesting, really fun, very heart wrenching, but we made it work. So I'm really quite proud of the outcome just because the only, um the only table room that was had was just with Leah, I think, because on that day I was busy working with Leah and, just um, 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 Jules and, and Michelle and no one else. And I'm still quite proud of. Yeah, right. that was fun.
0: God, that sounds so tense. Martina, tell me, so you, well, did you never work with kids and animals and yeah, yeah, but I'm period pieces yeah. to young performers. I was in a
3: project working with kids and animals, so <laughs> I just couldn't take any more, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like, well I just I'm just thinking about you know not knowing
1: if you're going to shoot or not or not no know, not knowing who you're going to be shooting at I mean that would really like as hard as it is for you writing it I think Leah I, I just don't know how you dealt with that because you know Well the- I'm I'm
4: from a Martina I'm from a documentary background as well so I I for me I think I was probably a lot more relaxed um I sort of had the confidence that I knew that whatever we shot in Nairobi so amazing yeah. I mean, you just could go out with a camera and talk to people and shoot okay. something as well. Like there were so many things we could have done. So I felt that we were in the right place. And I I, I was felt quite relaxed. And sometimes in those situations, you just got to go for flow yeah, a little yeah. bit. So. I,
1: wish I, I wish I were like that. <laughs> <laughs> but i can tell you i definitely am not um, so yes well the the, ca- the casting of the children i mean that that was that was a joy i have to say it was probably one of my favorite parts of it um we we put out a call for the lead uh, of the little girl and um i think we had 200 um application 200 submissions for it and Do- Do- shout out to Don McAllister again who helped uh, whittled it down to about 60 yeah yeah she's great she whittled it down to 60 and um, myself and Garrett who's producing uh, looked at the 60 of them over a long weekend several of several times now I will say that Cameron stuck out from the word go for me um, and uh, I kept just kept going back to her I, I couldn't help but so we, we whittled it down to 10 I uh, did zoom with another 10 uh girls and that was another really enjoyable evening Some some of them were just little dynamos they were brilliant but again um Cameron stuck out so we arranged a meeting and we delivered another few lines and we uh did a scene um out in Tala and after that evening I, I was convinced um what really struck me about her was that when she did her demo tape i had sent some information i told them you know what the feelings and you know how how we're feeling and because there's no dialogue i had to kind of tell them what to do in an email so it was really quite challenging and uh, you know i'd say to now Cameron, i want you to feel like you know you're 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 quite you're angry at your dad but you're not really sure why you're angry with dad." (laughs) and she would go through the motions and then she would just stop and she would look into the camera her mom's phone or whatever and she would just say something to me who are you anyway? Like, what, you know, these direct questions to me—it was just hilarious. And I felt she was so relaxed with the whole thing. She's definitely somebody we could have on the set and wouldn't be, um, I suppose, intimidated by the whole thing. So it was—it was, was no brainer when it came to Cameron. She was brilliant, and she's only nine. Um, and then the other little boy, Alex, uh, same thing. I'd less—I'd less. We we cast him a little bit later on in the process, um, because that scene came to the film a little bit late. I was sensing that we were missing something somewhere in, in the center of the film to, to bring this background to the end and just to heighten that emotion. So um, we cast him quite late, and we cast him locally in County Offaly. I contacted some dra- the Midlands Drama School and uh, auditioned a few boys, and he just he just stood out. He just embodied the thing, and everybody says it to me, "My God, that little boy—he was just just a little little dream." So just the pair of them, I mean, like, no issues. I'll say no issues now you have to be a bit careful with you know when kids are around but you know i sort of feel like it, just treat them res- with respect treat them like everybody else don't you don't have to pussyfoot around with kids anymore they know what's going on um and they wanted to be there which is half the battle isn't it so I, yeah
2: could I, could I ask a quick question about mm. your casting as well uh, yes. uh, and i thought the film was great and um, this Thank this you. Supporting roles, you know, were they, how did you go about getting the people who weren't the leads out of curiosity? Because they all were very authentic and, and, and not recognisable faces, which, which is great for, you know, when you're trying to make something, period, and get lost in the story, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, well, two, well, some of the actors would be, our professional actors, so um, uh, Tara and Connor, they, they are professional actors, but the other three, would say the, the other, the Wrecking Crew, yeah. they were from a local drama group in County Offaly as well, um, and I just put mm. out a call for those guys and um, and yeah, I think that they were just so delighted to be part of it. But um, I, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you said that, because that makes me feel good now that they, if they felt that they were a part of it, then uh, yeah, like he,
2: even the landlord, like his, his role was was small, but like he was very authentic in the part and, you know, looked the character and stuff like that, you know, which was yeah. He's, and, And and if if, if the supporting roles like don't feel authentic, it it can ruin a scene. Right. So it's just as important in a way to get them right.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm delighted you said that Uh, that that was a kind of a pivotal scene, that landlord scene, because he doesn't say anything. And yet we had to get across that this is a serious man with a serious agenda. And he's you know, he means business. And I think Connor Hackett did a particularly good job in that scene, as did our lead man, Sam. Definitely. Yeah, but thank
0: you, TJ. Thank and, you. And tell me about getting, um, just specifically for you, Martina, about getting that look and feel of that period. Um, because it is the it was very rich. It was very um the production design was just really beautiful and worked so well with the the performances, the wardrobe. Like it was it was just gorgeous. How did you sort of get about creating that?
1: Well, I watch a lot of period films anyway, and I do have an interest. What I what I felt myself from watching a lot of the famine films, um, all brilliant films, mind you, but there was something that just uh, about them just struck me. And that was, everything was just so sparse in the cottages and the the depiction of the famine quite, quite regularly can be that people had nothing. And many, yes, most people did have nothing, but some people, this family, uh, they were doing okay because of what the wrecker was carrying out and doing, uh, albeit wrong. And um, so they were OK. They had some things in their house. They had, you know, um, furnishings. They had bowls to eat out of. Um, they had a table uh, and they had sort of a, a bed, albeit just kind of sacking or whatever. So I paid a lot of attention to that. And um, the landlord's house, I loved that. We found that house in Northern Ireland in in a folk park, if you can believe it. Um, but we stripped that completely back because the other side of the coin is sometimes the landlord's houses can be depicted as these lavish palaces, when in fact they weren't that at all um, in, in many cases. The landlords themselves were struggling a bit, not that I'm defending the landlords in any way, shape or form, but they didn't have much either. So they were kind of to the pin of the collar financially as well. So they were quite sparse uh, buildings as well, often leaking and cold and miserable. So, yeah, I suppose I did pay a bit of attention to that. Um, and James Donnelly, the who did the production design, he's just a great guy and I love working with him. He was so, Yeah, I see you nodding, TJ, you must know him. He's just great fun and just nothing is a problem for him. And we did, you know, we created stuff out of the most, you know, out of the strangest things. And yet it worked. He's just um, really talented and very innovative. <laughs> you won't mind me saying that.
0: And how did you find working um, on the budget, the focus shorts budget uh, doing a period? Because you had VFX, you mm. there was like there was there was a good amount of characters in it there the again, like cool. there was this beautiful clothing, wardrobe, production design. Did you like, you know, like, did you have to be clever about, you know, the things that you did get, what you got on screen? Just how did you kind of maneuver that? Yes.
1: Well, my I, I would always say that everything all everything should go on screen you know we should put now obviously you have to pay everybody and we did pay everybody but um i i much prefer the money to go on on screen and stuff like that so i mean i would say we were frugal in some areas um but clever in other in other areas like um yeah the budget was stretched now i will say that and we had a few a few things happened which put additional pressure our contingency was gone before the film even started because we had to change location really, really quick Due to flooding, I, I we shot the film back in March when we had we had like rain for forty days and forty nights or something, and we were due to shoot in Kenmare, um, and that's what we had to. That all had to stop uh, five days out, and we had to you know refocus everybody and move everybody. So that 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 you know that provided challenges in itself. But yeah, when you have a good producer working with you, Absolutely. you will get through. <laughs> Yeah, you will get through and Garrett is very, very good at that type of thing. Um, really, it's it's budgeting, it's hard, it's boring and it's horrible. But, at you know, because your cinematographer wants certain things, you know, and uh, Aidan did want everything and he didn't get everything he wanted. We couldn't give him everything he wanted, but he got most of the things he wanted. And that's really how you have to do it. Uh, just break the thing down. And it's a horrible it's a horrible process. And you speak to everybody in advance i guess don't raise the expectations if everybody knows what it is that they they can work with in terms of the budget then nobody will get upset you know further down the line and um, and generally people are very good you know when it comes to things like this they are pretty good but because it's the focus short you have to follow all the criteria and you do have to pay everybody properly and that's very very important because yes it's seen as kind of a stepping stone to your feature and uh, you want to do everything right yeah right
0: and actually, TJ, I'm going to go on to you now for that exact same thing, because I noticed you had like so many locations. <laughs> you had so many. I was like, yeah. oh, my God, you didn't I, make things I was, easy
2: for yourself. No, definitely not. Like it, it, I, I was curious as well with Martina and like, you know, because it looks like a million dollars, that that film. And, and I, I know. From my experience, you kind of get the impression like you get a focus short, you're, you, you've you got a bigger budget than the the other schemes. It's like 60,000 euro or whatever it is. And you're like, I'm going to be able to do whatever I want to shoot as many days as I need and all that. And then immediately wow. you're hit with like the reality. And it's like, I can't get that. I can't do that. You know what I mean? And that's just the practicalities of filmmaking and money in these, you know, projects just burn and evaporate very quickly. Um. So I guess it's good practice, isn't it, to kind of try and figure out how uh, you navigate that and what you need and what kind of uh, things you push for and fight for and what things you kind of realize maybe aren't as important. But yeah, our, our, our main two locate like our main location was the house. so that was the big thing to find. And um, we we shot an exterior in, uh, uh, in, in in Dublin City Center, and then uh, the interior was a little bit further out in Lochlandstown. Uh, So it was more about working with our production designer, Ellen Kirk, to really kind of maximize the different looks inside that interior location. So and Evan Barry as well was very kind of instrumental, our cinematographer, in kind of giving feedback of what he felt was the best location, because there was other ones that looked great, but they were kind of boxy and small rooms and by having more open plan interior, it gave us more opportunity to find interesting angles and not get repetitive with our coverage, you know, in 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 a small space. So that was a, a wise kind of you know, bit of feedback from him. But uh yeah, outside of that, there was a good few locations. Uh Uh, that we had to move from on a few different days but in reality we actually cheated a couple like the opening interior where it's a little boy's bedroom was actually in our main location and we just pretended Mm -hmm. it was somewhere else so we kind of tried to be smart in that way and then and then our our main exterior day where we had to go to a cafe and do a few exteriors we kind of put all the locations beside each other so we made it feel like it was in lots of places but it was actually in like one block radius kind of thing
0: that was that was very very clever um and tell me a little yeah. bit about yeah 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 finding finding the home as well because there's a lot of logistics that had to go with there and shooting the home can you talk to me a little bit about you know sort of lighting that getting the feel of that how do you um sort of prep and get that ready with evan presumably? yeah like
2: um in terms of finding it coleman mckenna our producer he he found it which was great and i was kind of a little bit worried that we because we didn't have an official location manager and that was like one of the things that I was talking about earlier you you might not get everything that you you want you know Uh, and when you work in ads you you have a location manager who's looking around and sending you folders and folders and folders of like locations and when you're in shorts it's you don't have as much luxuries sometimes so so we kind of were on favors and people were giving us like kind of uh, photos to look at and review but then Coleman eventually found it through one of his connections and that felt like the right place but then Evan is is a great DOP and he he really you know is likes to be prepared and and, and I'd imagine all of the DOPs that you work with in, in the group I have like aiden gold i know is an amazing doP I, I thought that looked so good as well um but but uh, uh, uh he 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 likes to do floor plans and basically we had to match the light of the exterior with the light of the interior so we basically like saw what the exterior lights were and then kind of tried to light from through the windows with a similar color light to make it feel connected you know with the kind of like orange street lights and stuff like that but then evan would be very specific with floor plans and kind of shot lists and we would just a storyboard, but then more like take photos and kind of reference what shots we wanted to get, and and kept it a little loose, but still tried to be very prepared. And he honestly had like a document that was like honestly about seventy pages in terms of his preparation, which was crazy. I was like, this is insane, you know. But uh yeah, it was just it was just trying to uh, come up with shot lists and basically floor plans and think about the blocking, but then never be restricted where you let the actors maybe you know suggest something and then freak out that you haven't prepared for it and try and figure it out on the spot. <laughs>
0: no worries. And, and, and Duda and Leah as well. Like you guys definitely had your kind of issues cut out for you, a big club scene, um, beautifully lit. So many, so many people in it. Talk to me, talk to me about your location choices and, and what each section was like working on. Well, I'm Mm going to start, um,
3: with the locations we worked with, um, Another good friend's name is David. He was um, our location's um, manager. And he definitely, you know, through the year, uh, while we were, you know, working on this script together, Leah and myself, we were also, you know, producing as much as we could. So a lot of the, we had seen a bunch of houses, we had seen a bunch of different spaces that we wanted to use. I would say it is cheaper here than it would be, you know, trying to get, that many locations for you guys so we did have that advantage where we could go we could have a little bit more you know than you know than we if it was strictly or you know what I mean so it was that was the advantage that we had we had also really good friends who were trying to you know give us the connect with the best places and Leah and Finola uh, made their choices and that was um, amazing so you know, big up to the producer as well, Nemo, she really did, um, you know, it was a lot of sleepless nights for her, I'd say, just making sure it's within the budget, making sure, you know, safety issues, you know, and for us filming, there has to be security, I'm not sure what it's like for you, but if you're filming, say, in the middle of the city, um, the club scenes, well, basically, everywhere we went, we had to have security with us, the entire time. So had to just make sure the security risks were also, you know, green light to go. But um Gong Hills is a very popular um place to to shoot because it's just so beautiful. Um yeah we had a bunch of um vans taking everyone everywhere every time it was a huge team. Um because we were filming in different places on the same day and you know lighting and all of the things. I'm very quite pleased that Leah executed because the first one, the first day in the hills was really, really quite cold. And I had to go and shiver somewhere because I was just freezing. And uh, I guess because it's, you know, it's typically really quite temperate this side. So I'm up the hill for we the had first some
4: time. We crew ago. from Ireland. So we were all fine. Yeah. And-
3: Everyone from Ireland is feeling and we're like, oh god no, I need to go home. Like it was ridiculous. And they're just good to keep going. And you know, as the sun's setting, the blue cast was quite beautiful, but I just couldn't do it. I was definitely going to lose my life. Um, so I had to go and shimmer down with some tea and and keep my heart rate up, I guess. Um so I don't know what Lee is gonna say about the location.
4: Yeah, I think the locations, the script was originally, we had it set in one apartment and the whole film was centering around a conversation, which it definitely still is. But I think that because we were shooting in Nairobi, the city is just so vibrant and so energetic and it would have been a shame not to try and bring the characters out of that space. And the Nong Hills is a place that, is quiet and the city is very very chaotic so it was nice to have that transition uh i'm glad that we did it even though it was i think if we were to redo it multiple locations is never easy when you're shooting a short and we did pay for it i mean we lost we had three shooting days originally and we actually only ended up shooting two days because again we had some some issues but i think it was worth it for giving a sense of place, because I think that the place that the the characters are living is so important to why they're having this conversation. So it was really important that we represented that.
0: And I like your non-linear jumping to the club scene, back and forth, like it does, it, yeah, it, it gives it a, a kind of a, a very... Um, vibrant energy throughout it and, and kind of like, you know, like kind well, of right? injects it for that conversation and adds that the subtext of that conflict. Um, tell me it felt about... A bit like... oh, sorry.
1: sorry Gemma. Oh no, 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 please do. Yeah. Oh no, I was just about to say that I felt um, the film, it reminded me, not that not any film should remind you of another film, but I felt your film reminded there was uh, parts of it I kept feeling like American Honey, you know, that Andrea
4: Arnold. Yeah, that blue r was a close reference for sure. Oh really? Okay, well it, it definitely
1: yeah. worked. Um, Thank into, you. Yeah, That's brilliant.
4: Myself that and beautiful. our DOP, Fanuena McCormick, there was only three Irish crew that worked in the shooting crew and the rest were from Nairobi and Fanuena and I looked closely at Andrea Arnold's films and we really loved the the use of nature within her films and the use of nature to sort of say things yeah that the words can't really say so i think in terms of the final ending of the scene i really we really wanted to have that feeling of uh uncertainty we're not sure what's going to happen with the characters but we wanted this sort of moment just to linger and Yes, I'm really, I'm so excited that you said that. I'll definitely tell Fanula because that was a very close reference for the film. I,
2: I, I was super impressed as well by uh, uh, all, all, all of your work, but I was really curious as well about Fanula because I had I, never heard of it before, but it was so beautiful, like in terms of, you know, oh, the shots you. and I could see your... Uh, documentary kind of background in terms of it feels super cinematic but it's really naturalistic you know what I mean like natural light and feels very kind of intimate and you know had you worked with her before this cinematographer yeah
4: so fanula and I were at Fulham School together so we had done a lot of projects but we've both I think we're both really interested in this world of fiction and documentary crossover and i think for this villain because the majority of the cast were non-actors it was a place we felt very comfortable and excited by and i think that also it was the practical approach i mean we were shooting in multiple locations so the setup was really small venuda operates herself um, and i think in terms of working with non-actors as well the reduction of the crew and having a really simple setup really worked for us because it meant we were really mobile and we were able to go out and try things. Um, And Fanuida's brilliant. She's a visual artist as well. So she does a lot of uh, her own sort of art films. So it was great. It was, it was, she's very talented and did a really great job, I think.
0: Wonderful. And again, that back and forth did, like it worked very well in terms of again, like in kind of changing the energy of the scene and, and adding little kind of umps in and information and that subtext. Did anything change in the edit or was anything brought to it or lost or did anything shift? Maybe or was there anything unexpected or
4: was that all in there in the yeah. script? Yeah, I think I think the maybe do you want to speak on that or because uh, a also saw some cuts and it changed. We did about 11 cuts so we did not that ma- i don't think it's that many but um we definitely went it was a long period of editing it was uh because it wasn't quite working uh, we really had to um reduce a lot of things oh did, i don't know if you want to so was it think? longer yep. originally is it it was never longer. It was always it was always about ten minutes because again we lost a day of shooting. Um, so originally the script was slightly longer, but we we didn't cover everything we needed to. So we're working with just materials to begin with. But maybe a do that Um,
3: when I was looking at the cuts, it felt pretty uh, straightforward to what we had agreed we we're gonna do. So I could definitely see the vision. Um, I am a lot more um, comedic, and I like. To for people to have a ha moment when they are looking at my material and Leah is a bit less of that. So that was the only thing. (laughs) I was like, this is, that was a joke. That was a joke. So (laughs) um, aside from that, which I, you know, I picked up because I knew I have seen a lot of um, the things that she's directed and what she's worked on before. So I was very quite comfortable with it because this is something we first of all worked on together and I love what it looked like. Um, So aside from maybe this is too, I mean, we could see um, a bit of the, like a bit of a shadow, was it? But stylistically, there was only one change that I had that I needed to get rid of because I just felt like it didn't sit well, which was the moment where um, when they're done with the club scene and they're having fun um, and then they showing the moment where they actually go, because it's really just quite implied. We don't really know, was it a three way? Was it just a day in an open relationship? We didn't really discover it. We didn't really talk about any of that. So I just felt like not not getting into that, not letting everybody see what exactly happened. I felt it would be a bit um, rough on the edges. Um, so I said, I didn't like how that sat, but everything else I definitely was okay with. Like Because a lot of that we had already done when we were writing. So, you know, just what is ethical, what feels right, what is not going to sit well. So, you know, when it came down to the shot, all of them were pretty pre-planned. So I knew exactly what it was going to be in. Um, and it was it was quite straightforward, I think, in my opinion. Very easy because it was exactly what we had written.
4: Yeah, that was yeah. the trickiest part, that moment of uh, when Michelle's character decides to go and sort of, sleep with this guy and it's an open relationship and that was all talked about in rehearsals as well but I think that moment of consent was really tricky to get right because again it's making sure that character doesn't come across that there's some sort of cheating going on because that really wasn't what we were going for we really wanted to portray this open relationship uh you know we really talked a lot about that and I think that was the main thing with the edit. It was yeah. really tricky to get that right. Uh, I think I think we did it. We had to take out a scene because we had a scene following what happened, and it just didn't quite
3: work. Uh, so was it adding to or? That, yeah. it, I just was like, I don't want it to give me the egg. I don't want it to give me the egg. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was really just it for me. <laughs> I just <laughs> I didn't want to catch the egg.
0: That's very interesting about how something shifts the whole dynamic so so intensely as well. And and you don't like, you know, like and, and maybe if it's written on the page, it doesn't quite have that same kind of feel to it. And and how, you know, even even that perspective can shift and and how you perceive a character. Um I'm just gonna go to you, TJ. Did you did anything shift in the edit for you? Or, you know, was everything um, very much so like it was on the page?
2: Well, it's it's interesting, like, uh, we worked with Derek Holland, who I was really delighted to get a chance to work with him, because he's a really good editor. And um, he does a lot bigger stuff than short films these days. So I think we were just lucky to get him to sneak us in his schedule. And, and I guess the edit did change in some ways, like we dropped a, a scene or two that, you know, weren't really driving the story forward. And that were, was kind of maybe making a little bit longer than it needed to be, or repeating the same kind of story beat. So there was like a couple of scenes we dropped, and um, but then we had also kind of uh, always envisioned like there being the opportunity to edit the ending two different ways. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know when this is going out, and I, I I don't know if I'll talk about the ending. I don't know I'd like people to watch it and see it, but like. We 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 had thought about, you know, maybe doing something that was different than what we ended up doing. So we had a big decision to make with the ending and um uh we shot two different endings and chose one basically.
0: Oh wow <laughs> in, the,
2: in the edit, in the edit, yeah
0: it's almost like the actors like of nda that they won't actually know well i don't know you just you just when
2: people are watching it you don't want to give anything away do you you know what i mean i don't know like it's it's not as if we're making a big feature film that the world's gonna see but like still in our own little way it's nice for people to enjoy it when they first see it yeah
0: yeah yeah so we won't we won't give too much away but we'll just i mean even knowing (laughs) that there's a different version out there just what is the (laughs) subtext of the different version for people that do eventually go see it and then go oh
2: well one one ending's more happy and one is more sad.
0: Okay. And Martina, there's um if, if we just get to your one as well because again you had like VFX, there's a period mm. like it's 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 stylized as well. Um just tell me a little bit about, you know, and capturing it and also the fact that everything is worthless <laughs> and the sound yeah. mix on top of everything. So it yeah. kind of makes it a, a like a did that make for a tricky edit or an easy edit?
1: Yeah. It was a hefty enough post-production process I will say that um <clears throat> did we no, we didn't actually change anything but what we did have to do, I'm not getting in trouble for saying this, but we did have to do a little uh, we had to shoot a little extra scene because because of the lack of dialogue and when I, when I say scene I'm talking about literally a shot um I won't tell you what it is, but it's one little shot that just connects two scenes together so that you're in no doubt as to who did what at the end of the film. Um, We didn't have to do it, but I wasn't quite satisfied that, you know, people would just understand what was going on. Um, It's not not a negative thing. Like I said, we would have lived without it, but we had the chance to do it and we were able to do it and everybody was up for it, so we just did it. Um, But no, we didn't have to change anything, thankfully, but that was because we, my God, we went through that script so much beforehand. It It was just such an important thing to do. It was such a risk. Without the dialogue, um, and there's that added potential of people not quite understanding what's happening. So we did honestly go through with a fine tooth comb. We went over it and over and over it, and checked the scene before and checked the scene after, so that people could, you know, understand the story. The, yes, the sound mix was, well, we decided, or I decided, that the sound mix should be elevated a bit, maybe a bit more than what would be standard, simply because you need to feel like you're in the room with these individuals or out in the field with them. Um, That's something else we did. That was another adjustment we made. And the score, if I could just talk about the score for a second, Um, the score was a big deal for me because... Um, I'm 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 fascinated with you know I, I I realize the story you know it's set in the past it's rooted in the past but I wanted to sort of make it interesting and make it give it a contemporary edge I suppose. Um, so I knew this guy called Jack Dempsey McMahon who's a world champion turntablist and yeah, I knew him through a friend of mine and I approached him and asked him if he'd be interested in kind of like tackling this score. Um, Now, he's never done a score before, but he has worked with some brilliant bands, um, and I sort of told him, you know, I love this folk revival that's happening in Ireland at the moment, you know, with like Oxen and Lancome and all these, you know, O'No, Ken and all these guys. They're just um, doing amazing work for what would have been considered previously as just a kind of a, you know, folk or whatever, but it's just amazing. Anyway, so... um, he yeah, I mean, look, he took it on and he put in all these sort of amazing instruments in there like arm, I, I had to write them down because I couldn't remember them all. But there's the ducks in there and there's a cymbalum and all this percussion and stuff. And he recorded all the melodies separately himself and then he kind of processed them and then put them onto a turntable to add in. But you hear little scratches now and then and you'll hear sort of the sound go up and down and pitch falls and stuff like that. So um I think he did a great job and I'm I really am so proud of that side of it. And you know, it'll probably the film will probably come and go and nobody will ever ever mention it. I hope they do, but um we paid a lot of attention to it and he should be Jack. If you're out there, you should be really proud of it. It was just fantastic work. (laughs) Oh, fabulous. It is. It's really, really beautiful. Did did you storyboard Martina? Um, I I know Aiden,
2: and I honestly, you know, think that his his DP work is just getting on another level. Like every frame was a painting, you know, it looks so precise. You know, the reflection shots, the eye shot, you know what I mean? Like, was it completely storyboarded? It doesn't feel loose at all. It feels very controlled, you know?
1: Well, I'll tell you, I storyboarded half of it, and then I got so exhausted trying to storyboard it because I had start, I downloaded a, a digital storyboard. I had a thing on my, my iPad, and it was driving me mad. So I, I chucked that and I started drawing. You know, the old-fashioned way. We started drawing the pictures, mm. and met Aiden. Aiden came, um, came down for the first time, and we went to all the locations, and we talked, and we looked, and we talked, and we thought. And we had a big discussion about how it was going to look, and I realized pretty quickly that we were both on the same page. He loves the idea of everything looking like a portrait, mm. and that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted these faces to come through, and also I wanted it to be a very slow, a slow film. You know, mm. we didn't want all that kinetic movement of the camera, which, which, which I love normally, but I just didn't think um, it was needed here. Um, and uh, so, no, I'm, I'm to answer your question. TJ, no, I I have storyboarded it, but I had a shot list. You know, I the, I had I had a shot list which was which was very precise. I mean, you knew what we were doing every single day because we were under pressure for time, as you can imagine, all the time. And Aiden needed the time he needed to kind of set up, you know. And you know, I had to a be very of mindful. Of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, some of it, yeah, some of it. Obviously, some scenes needed more time than others. But I have to say, I really enjoyed working with him, and he was. Um, patient with me, you know, because um there were moments when I might have been a bit indecisive or whatever and he 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 waited and we, we, we worked it out. So it was a really enjoyable experience from that point of view. And I hope he would work with me again. I'm sure he will sometime. <laughs> I really would love that. Yeah. He was a great lad. Brilliant. So look um
0: about three absolutely beautiful films, lovely, different in theme and tone, but like full of heart and again like just beautiful visual um pieces uh so are you all looking forward to going into the
4: Cork Film Festival? Very yes. much so we're That's still good. waiting we're not sure if the oh. dude is going to be able to come or not we're, oh. we're trying to see if we can get something sorted but it's not straightforward but it's really excited to be you know included in the festival this year um, and we're just so excited uh to sort of have our Irish Premier of the piece our crew were uh split between Ireland and kenya so it's really really exciting to be
1: fun
3: some of our crew can say that i be pleased because our kenyan crew has, has no way we do, we can't do any wow. screening right so that's the biggest bummer that we had because we are not going to get well we're probably going to get banned immediately so and for some of us for a lot of the screenings you have to get your KFCB, um um classification wow. and we're not going to get that we tried to already. Um, it's not going to happen. So at least some people are going to be looking at it and going, oh, my gosh, look at that. Yay! Yeah,
4: and we're um, going to talk and try and really
3: for some of us, I guess.
4: sort of push that yeah. within our screenings just to get home screening is sort of our main goal in Kenya as well. Yeah. But it's just not possible at the moment. So
1: DJ, um, that makes our journey sound so easy, really. I know, I know,
2: yeah, it's 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 crazy really when you think about it, but, you know, fair play for making it, yeah, and hopefully absolutely. it gets seen by as many people as it can, and, you know.
3: But the point is the impact, yeah, yeah because for all the other people viewing it outside of the country, you know, the liberal nature of, of other countries versus here, and the point is that here we want this activism to be, so just trying to manoeuvre through all the,
0: the, the or all the tape. things
3: we have to do is,
0: yeah so thank yeah. you guys so much oh my god so we're fingers crossed we'll get to see it as many thanks things as possible as with all your films and good luck for your oh. screening thank you so much thank
1: you Gemma Hopefully thanks you guys so nice. bye. Thanks, bye bye, bye. bye, bye. Yeah.